welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. so good to be here with you. What, what a wonderful crowd. See folks come out to hear the word. Uh, I, I, I love your thought pattern here. Your pastors, you know, just getting to hang out with them. Uh, their hunger for, for Jesus and the hunger for doing things right. Uh, it's just proper. And uh, if you came today, uh, make sure you come back to hear Pastor John. Don't judge the church on the traveling guy. So come back, <laughs> come back and hear him. And uh, man, there's just exciting things ahead. And I, I only have this feeling just a few times out of my whole life going into Boston, going into Boise and coming to Grand Junction, flying here yesterday, it's like there's something special about your city and special about your church. You know, we, we know he's going to amplify his voice through you, but there's just something unusual, and it, I don't. It's hard to put my finger on it, but it's exciting. It's hard to even. Uh, uh, it'll come out articulated a little bit more by the Holy Ghost as we get going. But it's like, oh my Lord, what is that? That's so cool, and uh, it's like a hidden gem. There's like something getting ready to happen that all of us are getting in position for because Jesus is about to come back. So how wonderful to get to be here when there's an explosion before we're caught up. And I like the verbiage you said, tag, you're it. We really uh, don't comprehend that yet, but we really are it. I mean, it's just weird. You know, the early church didn't look at each other and go, hey man, we're Peter and John. We're doing something cool. People are going to write about us and people will know about it. No, you're finishing off the book of Acts. I always say, uh, you know, write your own chapter of the book of Acts. So can we follow you around and write down what the Lord's doing in your life? And you're writing your resume for what you'll be doing during the millennium. So we got to a short period of time to get some stuff on the resume, so let's go for it. Hallelujah. I, I'm just uh, 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 intrigued, is probably a better word, at the call on your pastors and the call on your church. It's very unusual, and uh, it'll be fun watching it all unfold and come to pass, and, and uh, with that, Jesus gets glorified. Jesus gets magnified. Jesus gets lifted up. You may have come this morning, you say, I feel condemned. The Lord's not condemning you. He loves you. Amen. He's not mad at you, not frustrated with you. He loves you. And he, he wants you blessed. He wants you encouraged. And as we get into end time things today, it's funny how over the years end times got a bad rap. I'll go to a church. The pastor will have me come. And he goes, I was dreading having you come, but I knew I was supposed to because I was dreading end times. And he goes, I actually enjoyed it. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. Isn't that sad that, that people are, are bummed out that you're coming? But it, wouldn't that be sad that the, the, the Lord would get that rap that the funnest thing that's ever going to happen to us has been turned into something scary for people? There is no bad news for us. Absolutely no bad news. And I hear people preach stuff of the coming of the Lord. It's like, no, he's going to come back and kill everybody. He said, no. He <laughs> said, I'm coming back and my reward, my reward, my reward, I can't even say it, my reward is with me. <laughs> so he wants to bless you. So man, we, we, there's so much has happened the last six months, so much has happened the last year. We'll get into some things this morning that are, are markers or signals or signs that show us right where we are. And why would we do that? Why, you know, I'm, I'm a total word of faith guy. I just love the thread of your past. Pastor, greater is he that's in you than he's in this world. We, we've been authorized to be just like Jesus. Uh, as he is, so are we in this world. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. So there is a strength in, 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 in you that uh, other generations dreamed of having. I mean, think of the Holy Spirit already prophesying about you. Daniel said right before the coming of the Lord, we would know our God, we'd be strong, and we would do exploits. So there, that, that's in you, and that's what's so cool is... Jesus is about to come back, but he needed a radical group of people right before he came back. Uh, because he, he, has a, 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 he has a message he wants with a certain flavor. What is that flavor? Mercy, kindness, power. Every facet of Jesus. Not religion, not tradition, but Jesus. And there's something about getting Jesus unveiled to people. Uh, if he be lifted up, he'll draw all men unto him. So, so as we get into all this stuff about end times, it's all about the revelation of him, Jesus. And the wonderful thing is, is how do how crazy we get ready for this, but all of a sudden we're going to see His eyes as a flame of fire, feet like undefined brass, voice of many waters. God Himself be right there at the throne. So the, the preparation for that is we sing songs to worship Him and we rejoice, but all of a sudden we're going to be there right in His presence. So exciting, 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 exciting times. Things happened this last week that I shook my head go, oh my God, things happened two weeks ago. I'm like, oh my God. So we'll try to get into some of that. So grab your Bibles, if you would, and you just turn wherever you think you ought to turn. We'll see if you're flowing. 
<laughs> Go to Matthew 24, and we'll start here for a couple minutes, and then we'll get rocking on some other stuff. But I know this, as we comprehend how close it is, it brings great joy. Great hope and great joy. That's the purpose of preaching on end times. Great joy and great hope. Paul said, that's why I'm writing this to you, so you'd be happy and hopeful. Really, about end times, five things. Don't be troubled. Don't be deceived. I want you happy. I want you hopeful. And I want you comforted. Not one time did you go, buckle up. It's going to be bad. No. It, for, for the world, I mean, that's kind of what it sounds like. But for the world, it's very, very scary. For the world, you're watching the setup for the tribulation. You're watching the setup for, for, for literally a seven-year period where, where Jesus is going to present himself to his brethren just like Joseph did at the very end. So you're watching our dad get the earth ready for the entrance of his son. And so before that happens, there's some protocol for the church to be a voice and be a witness, and that's why God raised you up. And I know whatever it is about Grand Junction, whatever it is about Faith Heights, and your pastors, that's a, that unusual thread, it'll all play out, and we know the Lord will be magnified. It'll be so cool. So let's get right into it. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for dying for us. We're in awe that you gave your life, that you let yourself be beaten. So Jesus, Jesus, take uh, the, the, the uttermost parts in our hearts and our minds that we would think like you, demonstrate like you, walk like you, we would have an awesome representation of the resurrection. That death could not hold you down. We give you glory, we give you honor, and we give you praise. We, we thank you this morning for a reassessing of, of assignments a rekindling of, of different graces on all of our lives. And Father, a thought pattern to accelerate. As we see the finish line, Father, we'll run faster. So we thank you for helping us, helping us be bold and daring to complete the mission before Jesus comes. We thank you for it. In Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. amen. Go there to Matthew 24 for just a minute because there's a couple things in this that kind of tell us a little bit about what the last year and a half were like because we all know the last year and a half was weird. So uh, let's go to Matthew 24 and thank God we're coming out of it. But Matthew 24, Jesus gives them some real clear things about what it would look like just before He comes. So He says in Matthew 24, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And the disciples came to Him to show Him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said, See not all these things, verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. As He sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Him, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? Or really, in the Greek, it's the end of the age. Because we know the world's never coming to an end. It'll be here forever. It's going to get renovated. But here, they, they, they ask him some good questions. And notice Jesus didn't get mad. He just goes on and says, okay, take heed that no man deceive you. Many will come in my name saying, I'm Christ, and shall deceive many. You'll hear wars and rumors of war. See that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, there'll be pestilence, there'll be earthquakes in diverse places. Verse 8, now this is cool. Verse 9, you ought to mark in your Bible, is the beginning of the tribute from verse 9 to verse 22. So at verse 8, he's going to tell you something you can look at that's just before the trib. He said, all these are the beginning of sorrows. We don't use that word anymore. That's the word birth pains, or we would use today in our language, contractions. How many of you ladies, when you went into labor and started having contractions, did you go, hey, let's go play golf today? No. <laughs> the contractions start taking over your life, and, and you, you were like, we got to get to the hospital. And if it didn't take over your life, you might have a baby at your house. I don't know about you, but when, when my wife went into labor, I said, we're getting to the hospital real quick. So, so the contractions started getting so severe, you couldn't ignore it. Jesus said there'd be some things on the earth so severe, you can't ignore that. And the pandemic is so severe, you couldn't ignore it. It affected every single nation. But the amazing thing is, is you think of having contractions before you have a baby. You don't just think, oh, these contractions are cool. No, you think, I'm about to have a baby. Well, there's about to be some births into the kingdom of God. Because you're living at the greatest time ever just before the coming of the Lord. So, in the midst of weirdness this last year, it's all pointing to days of great change. Days of great change. I heard people go, well, things are just going to keep on going. No, they're not. Jesus is coming back. I mean, they used to, they used to say that in Second Peter. Uh, Noah got up and preached and the flood's coming. Everybody laughed at him. But you know what? All of a sudden, at the very end, uh, the animals start lining up two by two. I can't hardly get my dog to jump in my truck, much less getting, getting a whole load of animals to get on a boat. Could you imagine that? So people that freaked out about Noah's message must have said, something's up. So they saw the supernatural. They saw the supernatural. And I'm sure they probably thought, you know, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen. But change came. 
And you can feel that in the church, like, well, we've been hearing the Lord's coming all of our life. Well, that's because He's coming. <laughs> he really is. So, you know, you can't have that mentality of like, well, I don't believe that anymore. No, there's a reason we've been hearing it, because He is coming. So today we'll go through some markers that show us, because it does something to you. You know, if you thought He was coming tomorrow, you'd be a lot sweeter tonight. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine going to bed, hey, what are you doing? No, I mean, I mean, Jesus is coming tomorrow, and you want to be ornery? No, if He's coming tomorrow, you want to be kind, you want to be merciful. You want to be loving. You want to live right. It'll change your life. Your priorities get altered a little bit. Amen. It gets in you. You're about to see the King. Glory to God. How cool is that? I'm, and my mom, as a kid, we got in this in 1970, and she used to scare us so bad. She'd go, Jesus is coming tonight. And I'm like, really? So I'd, I'd go to bed, Lord, I love you. So it freaked me out because I literally thought he was coming that night. So it doesn't hurt you. It might get you in the ministry. You know what I'm saying? What would it hurt to be nicer or kinder or more loving? And the whole purpose of this is, and you know, I've said it before, it was just like Colleen and I when we were getting married. Could you imagine I'm standing up there, you know, you're the excitement of the marriage and all the work that goes into everything and the protocol for the dress and all the girls getting all ready and everything getting all ready. Colleen's walking down the aisle and I'm standing there. How cool is this? I'm seeing her come down and she's all bowed over. Her dress is all dirty and all muddy. She's all like, oh my God, I'm getting ready to marry that guy. And another one bites, another one bites the dust. I mean, she's barely walking down the aisle. That would kind of cause me to think, you know, something's up. You know, something's not right. That she's really not putting her heart into this because her dress looks like she's been out in the dirt and she doesn't want to do this. So, so that's a picture of the church. So right before we meet Him, we should be lifting up our heads. Our redemption is drawing nigh. So he said, don't be downtrodden. He said, when you see these things come to pass, what's your response? Lift up your heads so you're not downtrodden. Hallelujah. Because He loves you, wants to bless you, wants to strengthen you, wants to finish your course with joy. So with all that, we get into all this because, you know, for every, for, for every one verse there is about the first coming of the Lord, eight times more about the second coming. So, I mean, it's just, it's just loaded. Paul talked about the baptism 12 times. Coming of the Lord 52 times. So it's in here so we get it. He's coming back. So go back to Isaiah. I know you know this, but it's good to rehearse it before we get to all the signals. Because they're so good. They're so blatant. And what's happened even since I was here a year and a half ago, or three years ago, it's like shocks me that we're still seeing thing, event after event after event. They're show, so showing that Jesus is about to come back. So go here to Isaiah. Look at verse 9. I know you know this, but it's so good. It shows you why we get into end times. Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46, verse 9. A familiar verse. Remember the former things of old. I'm God. There's none else. I'm God. There's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times things that are not yet done. Saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. So... This is my version of that. He said, hey, this is how you can tell I'm God. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen before it happens. Now, only a God can do that. You can, you can talk to a Buddhist. You can talk to a Muslim. Their book doesn't give you future. This is the only book that gives you future. It brings authenticity to the Bible. That's why Satan hates end-time preaching. Ezekiel prophesied the very year Israel will be reestablished. Gabriel told Daniel the year Jesus would come came right to the year. So the flawlessness of it is amazing. Think of the first coming. It was prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem of the tribe of Judah. <laughs> He'd be preceded by a messenger, entered in Jerusalem on a colt. He'd be given away for 35 pieces of silver. They'd gamble over his robe. He'd wear a crown of thorns. They'd pierce him in his side. It would get dark in the middle of the day while he was on the cross. You know what the odds are of all those coming to pass in one generation? It's 480 trillion times a billion times another trillion. It's 480 with 33 zeros afterwards. In science, it's absurd to think that something happened by chance after that many zeros. Didn't happen by chance. I mean, we'll get into some stuff about the History Channel. Talked about things that came to pass that said it's statistically impossible. Only a God could do it. I mean, the History Channel is even having to admit that God's doing some stuff right now while we're on the planet. Amen. <laughs> Pretty cool. So we're, we're so privileged and so blessed that our dad set things up for us so that we can know what's going to happen before it happens. It takes all the fear out. Now, I know you know this too, but let me give you this a ton of info right here. But listen to the first ten names of guys in the Bible. Adam means man. Seth means appointed. Enos means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Mahiliel means the blessed God. Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. 
Methuselah means his death brings. Lamech means despairing. And Noah means rest. Put them all together. Man is appointed mortal with sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching that his death brings a despairing rest. Gives you the entire plan of redemption with the first ten names of guys in the Bible. Because he's like, I'm God. I can tell you what's going to happen before it happens. So... We're, we're, we're privileged and blessed that our dad's not uh, bipolar. <laughs> He's not moody. <laughs> He's not weird. He's the same. There's no, there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning, and He's all good. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Oh, come on. God's not, using, God's not putting people through hell to train them in the last days. Come on. I hear that preached. I mean, the, the devil's the one's trying to kill you. He's trying to get, the devil sends storms your way so you'll back away from your boldness. And if going through hell made us better Christians, we'd all be glowing in the dark. Come on. Amen. I, I'd just be walking. There he is. Come on. No. Going through hell makes you realize you don't want to go through hell. So as we approach the, our destiny for the coming of the Lord, He needs you strong. He never said be strong. He said be strong in the Lord. So you're strong in Him. Come on, amen? So with all of this, let's go over to Luke and let's get into the signs because the signs will tell us where we are. And Jesus is going to get super, super clear and make it super easy so we can tell right where we are. Because, you know, somebody goes, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. Actually, you can if you can read. I mean, I don't mean to be ornery, but it'd be like saying, I can't tell when I'm getting to Denver. You're on I-70, and you're on your way to Denver. It's about, what, 170 miles? All of a sudden, you're on I-70 heading east toward Denver. I can't tell when I'm getting to Denver. Well, the sign says 170. Next sign says 150. Next sign says 140. Next sign says 100. You don't go, oh, no. You go, the signs are telling me I'm heading toward Denver. We'll look at some signs, our markers, that show us we're headed toward the coming of the King. And it's blatant. It's just in your face. It's exact. It's precise. It's like, oh my God, it gets so much cooler. I'm like, uh, Jesus is just about to come back. So we don't preach this as an escape theology, which it is good to be raptured. We're going to be raptured. This mortal is going to put on immortality. But we preach it because as you see the finish line, you run faster, not slower. I've never seen anybody train in a race. Train, 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 get in the race. Oh, there's the finish line. Uh, dude, this is when you this is when you give it your all. You don't chill out. So this is the church's time to give it her all. Amen. We don't fit church into our life. It is our life. Amen. All right, let's go to Luke. You got your Bibles there? Go to Luke. Remember, it's good to write in your Bible, dirty Bible, clean Christian. Clean Bible, dirty Christian. Come on, look at your neighbor. See how clean it is. Go. All right, look at Luke 21. Look, look, look at what Jesus says here. It makes it super easy. Luke 21. If you got your Bibles, it's page 108 if you got a Bible like mine. Now watch Jesus give us some info here that tells us where we are in time. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword, and they'll be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down to the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. That's pretty, pretty clear. Jesus goes, watch. When you see the Jews get control of Jerusalem back again, uh, time's up. Now, hang with me. Jerusalem was overthrown in what year? 70 A.D. Okay? It's, it's pretty remarkable that Jesus went to the cross on 30 A.D., born in about 2 and a half B.C., goes to the cross on 30 A.D. One generation, 40 years later, uh, Jerusalem's overthrown. Everything's pretty flawless. We'll get to that here in a little bit more about that. But they're all called moeds or set times. There's no random stuff anywhere in the Bible. It's all flawless. So Jesus goes, when you see Jerusalem, back time's up. Everything revolves around Jerusalem. Remember, if you live west of Jerusalem, you read left to right. If you live east of Jerusalem, you read right to left. Everything comes about that piece of real estate. That's why Lucifer, everything that revolves around the greatest war that's ever going to be is over a piece of real estate called the Temple Mount. You can go up in the, in, on the Temple Mount now in the Dome of the Rock. It says in Arabic, in a circle, there is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. There is no Son of God. Why? There is a Son of God. <laughs> he came and died and God raised Him from the dead. And the devil's so stupid, you can go to Jerusalem and there's a mosque right there. And it's what happened right there? That's where Jesus was raised from the dead. There's a mosque right here. What happened? That's where Jesus was beaten. There's a mosque right there. What happened? That's where the Mount of Ascension was. The devil's so stupid, he thought he'd put a mosque everywhere. Jesus did something cool so he could cover it up. All it did was give you a tour guide. You can say, the Lord must have done something really cool right here, or something really cool. Every, it's flawless. But, but Because Lucifer wants that spot. He, he wants, just like in the original, I'll ascend to be like the Most High. And, and he was kicked out instantaneously. So, he wants the second best of that, and that's the Temple Mount, where Jesus is going to sit on that throne forever. 
So we watch everything that's basically happening is coming together because of all the, the light versus darkness. Lucifer wants that spot. Jesus is going to reign there. Lucifer's not going to reign there. Right. Amen. The Bible says Jerusalem would be a cup of trembling for all nations. So at the Six Day War, it's a pretty big deal, 1967. I mean, at the end of six days of human history, we had 2,000 years from Adam to Abraham, 2,000 years from Abraham to the first coming of the Lord, 2,000 years from the first coming to the second coming. Six days. The earth is getting ready for that, that millennial reign, that 1,000 years off, just like our Sunday. So the earth's getting ready for that. So here you see Jerusalem won back at the end of six days, and that's why it's called the Six Day War. It took place in six days, but God even flawlessly puts it in there so we can get it. Do you remember all the miracles that happened, man? Just absolutely remarkable. You can Google it, called Against All Odds. You can interview, they interviewed the guys that were in the Six Day War. <laughs> they had miracles, and they, they said, we don't even believe in this stuff, but something happens. So it was hard for them to even believe after the fact. You remember the Egyptian army was coming down with 88 tanks against Israel. 88 tanks coming right down. One Israeli cook, he said, you know what, if I'm going to die, I'm going to go out with a bang. He crawls in this tank, figures out how to load the shells in the turret. I mean, think about this. You're, you're trying to hurry up how to load shells in a tank. You've never done this before. He's a cook. He loads the shells in. He starts firing shells at the 88 tanks. Next thing you know, an Egyptian commander came out with a white flag. He said, I'm here to surrender to the highest ranking officer. The Israeli guy goes, highest ranking officer is just me. <laughs> and the Egyptian commander said, no, it's not just you. The whole night the countryside was filled with tanks, with men dressed in white. You've been shelling us all night, and we can't take it anymore. So you see some divine intervention to get Jerusalem won back. Wow, because Jesus said, time's up when you see that. So that was 1967. That's in our lifetime. And then you go a little further, he's going to get even more clear to make it to where we understand this. Look at verse 29. Watch how clear he gets in verse 29. He said, look at the fig tree, that's the nation of Israel, and all the trees, the prophetic nations around Israel. Their names have all changed in the last hundred years. He said, when they now shoot forth their bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer our harvest is nigh at hand. Wow. Likewise. I like that word likewise. It's amazing. We'll get to it in a minute here. When you see these things, what things? Israel made a nation and Jerusalem went back. When you see these things come to pass, no. You ought to circle the word no there. He didn't say wonder. He didn't say sense. He didn't say perceive. He said when you see these things come to pass, you can know something. Now what can you know? That the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. Now the next verse is the kicker. You ready? Buckle up. You ready? Here we go. Next verse, verse 32. Here we go. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass away till all is fulfilled. I hear people go, uh, I don't believe that. It don't matter. <laughs> I hear people go, I'm not comfortable with that. It don't matter. Basically, tag, you're it. Jesus said, the group that sees this, you're it. So that's two signs. I'm, I can give you about 50 to 60. But Jesus said, if you see those two, you're it. And then somebody goes, well, how long is a generation? Well, you can get into, uh, it's amazing how people look for the reasons not to think the Lord's going to come back in their lifetime. But let me just get weird with you. A generation in the Old Covenant was 40 years. Generation in our times, the lifespan of a man. If you want to get very technical, the Bible says in Matthew, these are the generations from, from Adam to Jesus. It was 55 years. However you do the math, it's us. Now, I can't give you the year Jesus is coming back, but I can give you the season. Once you get into all the signs, you're like, oh my God, the Lord's about to come back. So, so that means there's a change coming for us. Oh, come on. This, I'm, about, I'm about to have the stain of Adam taken off me. Come on. The glorified body, never to gain weight again. Come on. If you can't get excited, at least get excited about that. Can you imagine not ever having to think about gaining weight again? Come on. Never getting tired again? I mean, how, how weird would that be to go, our vocabulary will never say we're tired ever again. Won't that be bizarre? Our, our, our bodies will be filled with the glory of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. That quickening presence. So here Jesus makes it super, super clear so we'd know something. Not wonder, not sense, so we'd know something. So you know that if you see these two events, you're that group of people. That's, that's pretty radical. So let's go to back here and look at it. Look at verse 30. When they now shoot forth, you see and know of your own selves that summer is, our harvest is nigh at hand. I mean, in Tulsa, I live in Tulsa, and the grass you know, turned brown, the trees turned brown. Boy, this last month, all of a sudden, the trees started turning green, the grass started turning. It's so exciting. You hear the birds. You, you sense that temperature change. I've never seen anybody go, hey, summer's not coming this year. What? Well, the trees are preaching to me. The grass is preaching to me. Even the birds are preaching to me. Nature's telling me something's coming. He said, likewise. 
Just as bold as you are about that, when you see Jerusalem on back and you see Israel made a nation, you're in the generation he's coming back. Amen. Because you can't come spring and go, summer's not coming, something's mentally wrong with you. Am I in the right room? Come on, could you imagine someone knocking on your door going, oh, by the way, don't worry, summer's not coming this year. You go, what? <laughs> well, you go, no, the trees are preaching to me, the grass is preaching to me, a change is coming. Jesus said, Israel being reestablished would preach to you. Okay, six million Jews were killed during World War II. Satan thought he could stop uh, God's word from coming to pass, and God still regathered them. Yes. Amazing. Israel's regathered in our lifetime. The one thing in Scripture that he said we would say is hard to pull off, he's already pulled it off. He's regathered them. Yes. He's brought them back. You know, Colleen and I were dating years ago. She was living in Los Angeles. I was living in Tulsa. It's hard to convey emotion by text. You know, I was just learning how to text. You know, like, hey, you look nice, your hair is nice. It doesn't work like that. So. <laughs> I moved Colleen from California to Tulsa so I could court her. So it was easier to court her because she was in my town. God has moved all the Jews from all around the earth to that little piece of real estate so He can court her. He's going to show off for Israel and Israel's going to turn to Him. Hallelujah. And you're watching this whole play play out right before your eyes because Jesus is just about to come back. Wow. It's absolutely flawless. So look at this. Go back here to verse 30. When they now shoot forth, you see and know. And I like this. Kenneth Hagin said there'd be an attitude or a spirit of seeing and knowing on the church right before the coming of the Lord. How cool is that? That's what that's the verse that's from. So we'd have an attitude of seeing and knowing. Not not oh what no not wondering oh the Lord's coming back, really? Because that's been the kind of mentality where you who do you think you are? Well, no. He, he said, I'm telling you this so you'll have that attitude in you of, of, of seeing and knowing. And man, you can get into some timing on this. This is the cool part. Hang with me for just a couple minutes because we've got to get to all these signs. I'm just, I'm, 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 I've got way too much coming to my brain. I'm just having to shut it down. 1917 is a big year. We even had movies about it last year. Uh, that was, 1917 is a famous year. The Balfour Declaration, everything. What happened in 1917? Allenby, an Australian general, flies into the land of Israel to deliver their land back to them. But they didn't know this. They passed leaflets out everywhere. You know when they used to bomb back then? They passed leaflets out. You know, they're getting ready to bomb. They passed leaflets out. Allenby's coming. Allenby's coming. Well, they didn't know that in Arabic it meant a prophet sent from God to deliver you your land. So the Turks just dropped their... I mean, everybody set their weapons down. There's no way we can fight against God. So Israel gets their land just like that. Amen. Something else happened in the church. Kenneth Hagin was born. And I use him as a marker. The Lord appeared to his mother and told him to name him John. And that he would have a part in getting the earth ready for the second coming. Not everything. But I, I mean I preached in Rama, Germany, Rama, Italy, Rama, Norway, Rama, Australia, Rama, Singapore. I preached in, in Switzerland, Kur, Basel, Longenthal, uh, Zurich, Oh, there's other places. Geneva, Lausanne, all because of Kenneth Hagin sowing the word. Right. No flash, no fanfare. Actually, boring as a kid, we would go in 1970, he'd go turn to Mark 11:23, and I'd go, yellow. <laughs> I mean, seriously, there was no zip in the doodah at all. It was just like, this is it right here, Mark 11:23. I mean, completely, how cool, how cool is God to have it as boring as it could possibly be? But it's sowing the word, sowing the word, sowing the word, sowing the word, sowing the word. So nations have gotten ready for the return of the Lord. Listen to what Hagen means in the Hebrew. One, to go before to prepare people for the coming of the Lord. It's the definition of John the Baptist. There's a lady in Mark Brzee's church where I attend in Tulsa. She's an evangelist. She died a few years ago. And uh, they defibrillated her and got her back. But apparently she was out for like 17 to 20 minutes. She's up in heaven talking to the Lord. And she saw Kenneth Hagin. She goes, look, there's Kenneth Hagin. And Jesus said, you mean John? <laughs> so if your name's supposed to be John, you're supposed to be John, okay? <laughs> So, so quietly, this guy, without any fanfare, you know, he, he sows the word, sows the word, and nation after nation quietly have been getting ready for the coming of the Lord. Not everything, but a part. And thank God for that part. Thank God for the integrity of the word. Thank God for we're not moved by how we feel, not moved by what we see, we're moved by what the word says about us. Why? So, so God would have us learn his character so that it carries over into the millennium. So while you're ruling in the millennium, you don't have to know how he feels. You know his thoughts and his attributes by his word. It's flawless. It's an amazing. He raised up a whole group of rulers that are going to rule over all the natural people forever. 
Good night, everybody. Drive safely. Here we go. Start the car. I'll be right there. That gets it going right there. Okay, we got to go back to the signs. Here we go. All right. There's a bunch more things you can talk about Jerusalem, but let's let's continue on with the signs. Okay. Number one, Israel made a nation. Number two, Jerusalem won back. Those are the main signs. Jesus said, if you see those two, you're the generation. But let's pick up with the rest of them. Next, you got the Hebrew language restored. Okay. 120 years ago, no one spoke Hebrew. Now they all speak Hebrew because God said just before the coming of the Lord, He restore to them a pure language. Look up, Google it. You can't, see if you can find Amorite, Canaanite, Hittite. Can't find any language. Uh, Hebrew's the only language that's ever been lost like that and restored. When did it happen? Your lifetime. Why? God said He would do it. <laughs> Think about 120 years ago. No one, now everybody in Israel speaks Hebrew. It's a miracle. Okay, that's pretty radical. Alright, after that, you got uh, uh, the Ethiopian Jews brought back. That's pretty cool. 18,000 Ethiopian Jews airlifted in one one day. Israel sent these C-130s right down into Ethiopia, airlifted them because God said just before the coming of the Messiah, he would, he would bring them out and brought them out in one day. Listen, CNN Headline News, Chuck Roberts on CNN Headline News. He said an exodus that eclipses the book of Exodus. Listen, when CNN goes to preaching about what the Lord's doing, you better lift up your heads. The Lord's coming back. Amen. <laughs> I mean, think about it. It's the first time ever that an airplane had a manifest of 180 passengers, and when it landed, it had 187. That's awesome. Ladies are having babies on those airplanes just like the original Exodus. They said, what do we put on their birth certificate? Do we put Egypt? Do we put Ethiopia? They said, man, just put Airborne. We don't know where they were. <laughs> How weird. People go, where were you born? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, how cool is it? An American man uh, was running from the law, living in Europe, and he paid uh, $30 million to airlift them out, and he got forgiven for all the wrong he'd done in our country, doing one good deed for the Jews. His, his slate was wiped clean. So God said, I'll bring them out. When did He bring them out? 1992. So in your lifetime, you got God reestablishing the language. You got God bringing the Ethiopian Jews out. You got, uh, you got Israel regathered in our lifetime. You got Jerusalem won back. So you got, you got massive things happening while we're here. All right, let's keep going. There's more. And the next one is cool because I like this one. is the revival of the Roman Empire. This has got tangible things you can look at. Uh, that's the United States of Europe. Happened in 1957. They said we felt like Romans on that day. Revived Rome. You can look at the Tower of Babel and you can look at the Capitol building in Strasbourg, France. Hang with me. Strasbourg, France, right now, the capital for the EU is identical to the Tower of Babel. <laughs> Not similar, it's identical. Why? They said, we want it, we'll be our own gods, we don't need God. Their slogan is so demonic. The, the markings inside the building are all from Nebuchadnezzar. The art out in front of the building is a molecule of iron magnified, because Daniel saw iron and clay. I mean, it's just, it's in your face, this platform for the Antichrist. We were talking about it last night, <laughs> and I look at France's president, his name is Emmanuel, and his last name is Macron. Macron means the mark. It'd just be like God with us, and here comes a Mark. Here we go. He even looks like the guy in the Left Behind series, so I don't, I'm not saying he's the, Mark, he's the Antichrist. But if he isn't, he missed a wonderful opportunity. But anyway. <laughs> no, I, I, I believe he'll be, uh, he'll come from Syria in that area because he's called the Assyrian. So it's a leader is being raised up right now that's going to, uh, you can see it right now happening more than ever before. The world wants a reset. Right after the rapture of the church, man, people are going to be in chaos. Financial situations will be in chaos. And the Antichrist will come on the scene and go, hey, I'm going to forgive all your debt, but you've got to use my currency. And you've got to take my system. So, man, thank God we won't be here. Praise God. Amen. Wasn't that wonderful? We don't have to be here during that seven years. Glory to God. Okay, so, so you have the revival of the Roman Empire. It happened in our lifetime. I went from Norway flew down to Nice. They don't even stamp your passport because it's just like going from Colorado to, to, to Wyoming, United States of Europe. On their, their money is the woman from the book of Revelation. I mean, if, if you look at all the stuff, you're like, I, 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 this is crazy. Uh, it's stuff coming to pass right in front of our eyes. All right, what's the next thing? There's many more. I, I want to get to some stuff that happened recently, so I'm getting there. So hang with me just a little bit more. What's the next one? It's the fertility of the land of Israel. This preaches for God. I mean, 120 years ago, Mark Twain was there. He said, the land is so desolate, it won't support life. <laughs> Yet right now, it produ Israel produces 90% of the fruit for all of Europe. 
Okay, Israel's the size of New Jersey. Wouldn't it be weird if you ate a banana this morning? Made New Jersey. Ate a pear? Made New Jersey. Ate an apple? Made New Jersey. Man, what's up with New Jersey? How's New Jersey producing all this fruit? That's how Israel's so blessed that it's producing all this fruit from a tiny piece of real estate. Because God said, I'll bless the land. You can go up on the Golan Heights, the northern part of Israel, and you can see the border of Syria. There's no fence there. It's completely lush, dark green grass, and it's brown dirt right there. It's as though you... you I asked my buddy, I said, do you guys use Scott Super Turf Builder? Do you use Sprinkler System? To get my grass to look like Israel's grass, I've got to fertilize it. And then I even called Scott's last year and said, you guys detuned your fertilizer. It's not making my grass dark as it used to. And they said, we did. We, we took some of the nitrogen out. I said, so i got to overflow to get my grass to look like it used to? I have to labor to get my grass to look like Israel's grass, and they do nothing to it. All it is is God's Word saying, I'll make you so blessed and prosperous, the ground will preach for you. Man, it, it, it's just radical. Israel's the only nation that has more trees since they've been keeping count. God showed them how to put a tray underneath the trees and it collects the dew. It grows more, produces more seeds, more trees than any nation on the planet. So it's blatant. It's obvious. Something's up. What's up? The king's coming back. Hallelujah. All right, let's go to some more. The Temple Mount Institute is a good one. If you ever go over to Israel, Jerusalem, in the old city, you have an, uh, the Jewish quarter and you have the Arab quarter. Even if you didn't know what was going on, you could see the Arab quarter and you could go, I don't want to be like that. I want to be like the Jew. The Arab quarter has sewer everywhere, trash everywhere. The Jewish quarter is flawless, perfectly clean. But in that Jewish quarter, you have the Temple Mount Institute. It's a, it's a school for priests. So what's going to happen after the rapture? It's going to go back to Old Covenant time and they're going to start having sacrifices. So you've got the priests ready to start having the sacrifices. They have all the instruments ready. They have the, the huge gold menorah. They have all these other things ready. They have all the spices ready. The one thing they were lacking was the oil of anointing. And they found that a few years ago uh, where the uh, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls were. They got the com computer, put all the stuff in there, and it's identical to the book of Leviticus. It's exactly what they needed. I hear people say, well, they need red heifers. they got like seven right now. They have everything they need to start having sacrifices. So they're in position. So let's kick into gear some other things that are positioned, because we'll, I want to go forward and back up. So I'm going to go, this, 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 this. We'll, we'll see if we can do it like this. <laughs> the Bible says Russia is going to invade Israel right after the rapture of the church. That's called the Ezekiel 38 war. Mainly Turkey, mainly Russia, mainly Syria. Okay, Russia invaded Crimea. This last week, Russia put 70,000 troops on the border of the Ukraine, put another few thousand. Right now, this last week, Russia has 150,000 troops on the Ukraine's border. They have 70,000 tanks and missile batteries set up on the border of the Ukraine. Why? They're getting, getting closer to coming into Israel. Turkey, oh, this is way too much information, but hang with me. Turkey has semi-wars in the northern part of Syria, on the waters of Greece, in Libya, and in the eastern part of Syria. They basically have completely surrounded Israel because Turkey wants to, Turkey's going to be the instigator for World War III. So you got Turkey in position, you got Russia in position, you had fish show up in the Dead Sea this last year. When was that prophesied? Wow, 2,700 years ago. When did it happen? Last year. That's radical. All right, after that, you got foxes that showed up on the Temple Mount. That's, that's from Lamentations 5.18. You, you, you got fish in position. You got foxes in position. You have 172 different species of predatory birds. Remember the Animal Planet Channel? This ornithologist came on there. The only reason I know who an ornithologist is, my brother was one. He went to college for nine years. And my dad said, what did you learn? He said, I learned how to play poker. So it's like nine years to play poker. But he studied birds. So, so this ornithologist goes... It's the largest gathering of predatory birds ever in history. And they go, we don't understand it, man. I freaked out. I go, I understand it. Just after the rapture, the Ezekiel 38 war happens, and God calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up. Seven years later, at the Battle of Armageddon, uh, He calls on the fowl of the air to clean the land up again. So you got the cleanup crew in Israel right now. So you got fish in position, birds in position, the Temple Mount Institute in position, Israel's been regathered in position. You got nature ready. So what's the church doing? 
Man, the church should be... We should be so excited that people tell us to break that pill in half. <laughs> Seriously, people should go, whatever you're on, take it back a notch because you're just crazy. There should be such an excitement. How many of you are excited for the night you got married? Come on, the night before you got married, were you excited? Oh, I should have seen a few more hands in there. Golly. So, <laughs> if, you, if you weren't, you might have made a mistake. Come on. No, the night before you got married, when you got engaged, how many of you talked more after you got engaged? You didn't talk less, you talked more. I think Colleen and I melted cell phones after we got engaged because I'd be on the road and we'd call each other 35 times a day. You don't talk less, you talk more. Don't talk less to Jesus, talk more to Jesus. Because you're about to see Him. Wouldn't that be weird if you never say a word to Him? Bam! You're going to get married. That'd be weird. Wouldn't that be weird? I'm marrying her? Who is that? It'd be kind of odd if you don't even know who you're marrying. A lot of the church is going to show up at the throne of God and don't even know Him. So this is our time to get re rekindle your, your, your thought pattern with the King. And there are things that come with that. Mercy, kindness, power, miracles, boldness. They, they knew they'd been with Jesus because of their boldness, not their preaching. Alright, let's keep going. There's so much here. And I've got to get rolling. So this is, this is amazing. You have the, the ritual baths around the Temple Mount fill up with water just a few months ago. First time in 2,000 years. See a Galilee overflow? First time in 2,000 years. <laughs> oh, I guess it's just a coincidence. No, the king's coming back. Let's go into one or two more, then we'll get to the signals real quick. One or two more. Uh, Rabbi Ixak Kaduri. I don't quote rabbis very much because I've got to have scripture and verse, but he's pretty cool. He gave his life to the Lord. Jesus appeared to him. So he said, after I'm gone for a year, open up a letter that he'd written, and he wrote this letter, I've come to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Freak them all out because he's all in rabbi and, and Israeli and Jewish and everything. So that kind of stirred everything up when he said, I'm, I've converted to Jesus. Okay? But he prophesied, wrote a letter in there and prophesied, this is in 2005, that just before the coming of the Lord, Israel would be ruled by two Benjamins. This last year, Israel had Benjamin Netanyahu and Benjamin Gantz. First time ever ruled by two prime ministers because of COVID. So you, you got that happening. You got Bishop Malachi. Oh, gosh. Hang with me. Everybody ready for this? This is the History Channel. <laughs> Bishop Malachi, we, we say Malachi, they call him Malachi, in the year 1129 A.D., had a vision of every pope that would be on the earth all the way up to the coming of the Lord, okay? And he saw the coat of arms for every pope. That's super, super detailed. Like maybe a military pope or a worshiping pope or, or a, a naval pope. So a coat of arms like you see on a crest in England or Ireland or Scotland, there's not just one thing, there's all kinds of stuff on that coat of arms. He got the coat of arms right 114 out of 114. Now, in baseball, if you bat 3 out of 10, you can make a pretty good living. He got 114 out of 114. Guess what Pope we have right now? 114th. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that Pope went to Iraq and said, we need to rebuild Babylon. Wouldn't let any of the Jews go there? I mean, is that the Tigris and the Euphrates Valley? Right where the Garden of Eden was. Right there. Remarkable. Pushed for one world religion, one world authority, <laughs> and one world monetary system. I've heard that Pope say that four times. I heard the Pope before that say that three times. Pushing for one world religion, one world authority. I mean, it's a setup for the Antichrist. That's the History Channel that did that. Said that's statistically impossible that you could give the coat of arms for 114 out of 114. Only a God could do that. Well, our dad happens to be God. Amen. <laughs> All right, so you got many more, but let's skip over to signals for a minute because I want you to come back tonight, so we'll, uh, we'll come back. I like what John Osteen said, he who preaches short shall be heard again. Now, I'll just say this. Uh, <laughs> we used to go to John Osteen's church in 1970, and you know how far away his church was from our house? Seven hours. I told my mom, Mom, have you thought about getting a church closer to where we live? <laughs> there was no Word of Faith churches. There were none. So we drove seven hours to hear the word. My dad thought my mom had lost her mind. What she did was she got her mind. She got the mind of Christ, the wisdom of God. Amen. You know, my mom was so crazy. 
Gosh, I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, but she was so crazy. Before she got a hold of the Word, she was afraid of everything. Like, you know, you've been around people that are afraid of everything. Like, if this microphone, if I put it on before she got a hold of the Word, she'd go, quick, be careful. The microphone could explode, burn your back off. I'm like, what? We'd go, to the, we'd go water skiing at the lake. She'd put three life jackets on me. I, I looked like the Michelin man. Remember those belt life jackets? I'd go walking out like this. I'm like, Mom, this ain't cool. It's not cool to ski water ski with a belt life jacket. I only have three of them on. She got a hold of the Word. She it so transformed her. 1970, she got so hold of the word, she'd take her confessions packs to the lake. You go to the swimming pool, she's got her confession pack. She's word, 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 word. I was on my bike and built this ramp, and I flew off my bike, cut my face wide open, went all the way up into my nose. My lips are split wide open. I'm bleeding everywhere. I walk up into my house. My sister Marla goes, ah! I mean, I'm bleeding everywhere. I walk over to my mom, and she says, don't bleed on the carpet right here. We've got prayer meeting tonight. <laughs> She didn't care if I bled. Just don't bleed here. People are coming over. This is a lady that would have passed out if I'd walked in like that before. She got a hold of the word, and, and she was not movable. There was a steadfastness in it. So that's what all this word is for, so that we're steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. The Bible teaches on the rapture. That's the climate of the believer. Because we're going to be caught up, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work, always abounding in the work, always abounding in the work, so for that you know that your labor is not in vain. My friend, let's accelerate because we're about to see Him. Wow. All right, let's do a couple of signals and then we'll dismiss. A couple of signals. Ready for a few signals? We know the blood red moons are a pretty big deal. I mean, uh, a few years ago you had blood red moons on when? Passover, tabernacles. What's Passover? That's when he died for us. What's tabernacles? That's when he'll come and tabernacle with men. So the heavens are going, I died for you. I'm coming back. <laughs> I died for you. I'm coming back. So you had four in a row. When's the last time you had four in a row? NASA calls it a tetrad. When's the last time you had four in a row on Passover and Tabernacles? 1967, when Jerusalem was won back. 1948, when Israel's made a nation. 1492, at the Edict of Expulsion, when the Jews were kicked out of Spain. And God raised up Columbus to sail the ocean blue in 1492. What did Columbus do? He found America be a safe harbor for the Jews. So you got blood red moons in connection with some pretty big deals with Israel. That's radical. Okay? I mean, the heavens are, are screaming to us. So just like if you drove from here to Denver, the signs tell you you're getting close to Denver. Once you get into Denver, you don't need signs. You've got signals. Your traffic signals. You're there. All right, so the, uh, the other one's the Bethlehem Star. This is a pretty big deal. First time in 2,000 years. What was the Bethlehem Star? Remember at the birth of Jesus, Jupiter, Regulus, and Venus came together. Regulus, king planet. Jupiter, king planet. Venus, men are from Mars, women from Venus. Venus, a mother planet. How do you like the Magi? Remember the Magi? Driving by camel, uh, five to seven hundred miles. Can you imagine getting by camel and go, we're going to see a sight? My buddies would have said, this better be over the top. It better be the greatest signs we've ever seen in our life because this is a long ride. Amen. Camels for 700 miles, it better be over the top. <laughs> well, they got there, and all of a sudden there's Jupiter, there's Regulus, and there's Venus. The constellation was Virgo, who's born of a virgin. This last year, NBC Nightly News, Lester Holt said we have a celestial event. We got Jupiter, we got Regulus, we got Venus, Bethlehem star. First time in 2,000 years. What was the constellation? Leo, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. So. We're in the middle of signs, signals, nations coming to the Lord. A friend of mine preaches in Iran, Reza Safa, a good buddy of mine. He got, says Jesus is appearing to children all over Iran. I mean, that's amazing. In Indonesia, Jesus is appearing to children all over Indonesia. I was preaching in China in 2003 or four, and uh, they you took a slow boat into the middle of China, and uh, as we got to the hotel, what do I call a hotel, they killed the guy at the front desk for putting up a preacher. They told me that after they checked me in. Praise the Lord. <laughs> what? <laughs> so the next morning I walked out, and there was about 3,000 people uh, uh, lined up. I thought it was a f uh, to give food away. It's just concrete building. I said, what's the people lined up for? They were lined up to see the movie, The Passion of the Christ. So you got a movie made by an actor that goes all over the world that people are lining up in China to see. So we're just living in a very, very, very unusual time. Very, very unusual time. The message of the gospel is going all over the world. The king's about to come back. So, so, so what, what do we do? We're all, we're all in. 
Yes. We're, we're all in. Lord, I'm, I'm in. Well, you got me, Lord. I know I'm preaching to the choir this morning. You guys are so easy to preach to. Thank you for being so receptive. And the Lord wants to use you in such a radical way that it's going to astonish all of us. Expect the works of Jesus. Expect heaven to flow through you. Expect the gifts of the Spirit. Expect uh, angels to be in operation. Expect radical increase. In the early church, uh, angel appeared to Philip. Angel appeared to Cornelius. Uh, Jesus appeared to Ananias. Accelerated everything. It won't be weird or be strange. It'll be heavenly activity to help us finish off the church age. If it started supernaturally, it's going to finish supernaturally. Amen. Not with slick preaching, but demonstrations. I'll give you one, and I'll, I'll close right now. I'll give you one. I was in Craig, Colorado. I may have told you the story. Just up the, up the hill here in Craig. It was 22 degrees below zero when I was there. I thought, dear Lord, how the people live here. And uh, they had heaters for the engine blocks because it's so cold. And uh, I was preaching along, and I felt like somebody wanted to kill me. You know, because oftentimes the traveling guy will say something to kind of push people a little bit or whatever. So I thought, I felt like, man, somebody wants to murder me while I'm preaching. I could feel it. Spiritual things are more real than natural things. So I thought, hmm, I wonder what I said to make somebody mad enough to kill me. This is weird. So I kept preaching, you know, and because uh, I'm going to plow through that. Because if they're going to confront me with unbelief, i got a whole lot more belief to confront them with. That's the, that's the traveling guy. So so I don't, I don't do that like I, I used to be a lot bolder back then. But anyway... <laughs> So I had a word of knowledge at the end. I was calling out words of knowledge. I had a word of knowledge. Someone got shot in the eye. And I called out some other things. And I was waiting for the guy with the eye. And no one ever came down and actually was waiting for other people and forgot about whoever got shot in the eye. And uh, I finished praying for a bunch of other people. And then when we closed the service, you know, Colleen and I are back at the hotel. We went down to the lobby mid-afternoon to get some coffee in the lobby. This guy comes walking in. He goes, hey, I was coming to the service tonight to kill you. I said, can I get you some coffee? <laughs> he goes, no. He goes, I, I was the guy that got shot in the eye. He goes, I was going to come back and kill you. He said, but this heat came down over me this afternoon. I got my sight back, and I asked Jesus into my heart. He's right up the street in Craig. So God's so cool. He, he'll take a guy wanting to kill somebody. I, I was in Sydney, Australia. Uh, the worship leader said, whatever you do, make our daughter come today. She didn't want to come to church that day. She was tired. She'd been doing all this stuff. She didn't want to come. And the worship leader said, whatever you do, you make our daughter come. So she was sitting about two rows back. And as I'm preaching many times, I mean, you can tell facial expression, 50% of, 58% of communication is facial expression. 37% is body language. 7% of what you say people get. So she was communicating to me that she didn't like my message. <laughs> so, so, and I could tell. So I'm just trying to get her to let her know Jesus is about to come back. Finished the service. I had a word of knowledge that someone had uh, actually burst or damaged their tailbone. Called it out and said, you're healed. This little girl, she's about 16, 17 years old. She was number 7 in pole vaulting in Australia. She had burst her tailbone. She fell. And she was bawling. She was instantly healed. She didn't want to come mad at God, didn't want to hear preaching on the end times, and God heals her tailbone. He, he, you're going to see so much mercy, so much kindness, yes. extreme mercy right now before the coming of the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. So w w what we consider goodness, just throw all, all the, the barriers down because God's going to love on your neighbor. He's going to love on your friends. He's going to use you to do it. Expect words of knowledge. Expect words of wisdom. Expect activities from heaven. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 